It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, and there is a lot of news to get to, and we're going to get a head start talking college basketball, such as what will McCure Maker's real impact be on Howard University this season. Also, we're going to be taking a look at 2021 men's college basketball recruiting class rankings. Notice Oregon and Duke starting on top. Also, sources say Arizona hit with nine allegations of misconduct. So, stay tuned to the A-Train Sports Talk podcast because all this is coming up next with your conductor, Anthony Smith. So, stay tuned. You do not want to miss this show. Welcome in to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. And as you heard in the intro, we have a lot to get to today. And yes, I'm going to get a head start. We're going to talk some college basketball hoops. And the first story I want to lead in with is what will McCure Maker's real impact be on Howard basketball this season as you know he was a five-star athlete that signed with Howard University it was big news and as we're getting closer to the basketball season I figured I would get a jump on talking some college basketball and there is a lot to look into. So Howard University basketball coach Kenny Blakeney heard the praise being heaped upon his program and his high-profile recruit, Makira Maker, on the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference, the MEAC basketball media call on Thursday. After hearing one coach call, Maker, a game changer, and another hoping that the top recruits arrival at Howard was the start of a movement. Blakeney tried his best to muffle the heightened predictions. He says, I know there's a lot of expectations for our basketball team, Blakeney said, but realistically speaking, we're still 4-29 last year. We were still 4-29 last year. That's last year. The 4-29 team now has a player maker who was named to the preseason All-MEAC first team Thursday before ever playing a college game. And that 4-29 team, the league's worst record last season, is suddenly picked to finish third in the MEAC's Northern Division. Credit Howard with landing maker who was the first top 20 basketball recruit to choose a historically black college or university, HBCU. But here's the greater challenge for Howard, living up to the dominance that basketball fans now anticipate. The expectations, I don't think they're realistic, to be quite honest with you, said Blakeney in his second season with the Bison. Just because we have a young man that's considered to be one of the top players in the country doesn't mean 
that you can change 75 years of, you know, not great history that we have at Howard University in our men's basketball program. Even as Blakeney acknowledges the lack of recent basketball success, Howard hasn't had a winning season since 2001-2002 and hasn't played a postseason game since 1992. That doesn't change the expectations of a team that lands a recruit of Maker's caliber. Had Maker chosen Kentucky, which along with UCLA and Memphis were among his final choices, he would have been just a typical recruit. By choosing an HBCU and Howard, he's a unicorn. He's a five-star recruit. He ranked number 16 in the ESPN 100. And at 6'11", he's a talented and versatile big man coming into a league that, for decades, has been dominated by guards. We've got a five-star recruit going to Howard, and that's pretty, excuse my language, pretty ballsy, said Philadelphia 76ers forward Kyle O'Quinn, a second-round pick in 2012 and the last HBCU player to be drafted into the NBA. I think he could turn the narrative into a success story when it becomes a success story, considering Howard would do their part. I'm a fan sitting back and waiting, O'Quinn said, added. That's one of the things I'm excited about, to see how well he does. It's been just over a week since Howard officially began practice, and Blakeney already likes what he sees in his top recruit. While Maker's size gives him a height advantage over most of the league, his contribution to the team will be to play everywhere, inside and on the perimeter, in this era of positionless basketball. He'll be a guy that's going to handle the ball a lot, Blinkney said. My goal with him is to develop and have him gain confidence so when he goes to the next level, it's a seamless transition. To compete for an EAC title, Howard will have to quickly blend a roster that's a complete makeover. Only two players remain from last year's 4 win team. We only have one young man left on our roster from Coach Kevin Nickelberry's roster, so it is a brand new team, Blakeney said. It's something that we needed to address last year, and when we did that, it was something that was intentional for us to get basketball IQ character and toughness into our program. The transformation is in full effect. Top recruit is in place and the Bison have gone from the Hunters to the Hunted. Even if Blakeney thinks he expected dominance of his team is misplaced. It does make us a target, but the thing is, I don't think our guys understand their targets, Blakeney said. We have a young team of guys that have a lot of potential and a lot of talent, but they've never done it. So the expectations, I'd like to temper them a little. That said, the future of five-star athletes choosing HBCUs might be based on what happens with Maker and Howard this season. With social media, kids can go to Norfolk State or Morgan State and really make a name and shock the world, O'Quinn said. We're in the ballpark of the other schools they may be interested in. What does O'Quinn think HBCUs need 
to do to keep this five-star interest going. Deliver when they get there. So there you have it. What can be expected of Howard and McCure Maker? And this is just the start. This train is just now building up some steam. We have some more news to get to. And we're about to do that right now. Uh, one of the stories of interest, Arizona Wildcats. Sources say Arizona is hit with nine allegations of misconduct. Arizona Wildcats men's basketball team hit with nine alleged NCAA rules violations. University of Arizona has been served with nine allegations of misconduct, including five level one allegations, the most serious under NCAA rules, following a multi-year investigation of its men's basketball program, sources confirmed to ESPN on Sunday. The Athletic, which first reported the number of allegations, also reported on Sunday that Arizona has been charged with lack of institutional control and failure to monitor and Wildcats coach Sean Miller has been charged with lack of head coach control. The Athletic reported that it obtained the information from a letter that Arizona's outside attorney Paul Kelly sent to the NCAA requesting that the infractions case be referred to the Independent Accountability Resolution Process, LARP, which was informed, which was formed to handle complex cases. On Friday, Arizona officials acknowledged receiving a notice of allegations from the NCAA, but declined to release it or provide details. A special meeting of the Arizona Board of Regents is scheduled for Monday. The Athletic reported that Wildcats women's swimming and diving coach Augie Bush also is charged with a head coach control violation. Arizona is the eighth university to publicly acknowledge receiving an NCAA notice of allegations related to information obtained from a federal investigation into bribes and other misconduct in college basketball joining Kansas, Louisville, NC State, Oklahoma State, South Carolina, TCU, and USC. The NCAA enforcement staff also accused LSU coach Will Wade of either arranging for or offering impermissible payments to at least 11 potential recruits or others around them, according to documents obtained by ESPN in August. The LSU case also will be handled by the LARP, along with those involving Kansas, Louisville, and NC State. Sources had previously told ESPN that Alabama, Auburn, and Creighton were also under investigation, but none of those schools have confirmed receiving a notice of allegations. Oklahoma State is the only program to receive penalties so far. In June, the NCAA Committee on Infractions placed the Cowboys on three years of probation and banned them from playing in postseason tournaments this season. The penalties were the result of one level one violation involving former associate head coach Lamont Evans, who was sentenced in June 2019 to three months in prison 
for accepting between $18,150 and $22,000 22000 in bribes to steer players from South Carolina and Oklahoma State to agents and financial advisors. OSU, which also reduced scholarships and recruiting visits and paid a fine, has appealed the penalties. The NCAA also hit Evans with a 10-year show cause penalty. Former Arizona assistant Emmanuel Book Richardson was one of four former assistant coaches who pleaded guilty for the roles in the federal bribery case. He pleaded guilty to one felony count of conspiracy to commit bribery in a plea deal after prosecutors accused him of accepting $20,000 to steer Arizona players to certain managers and financial advisors once they turned pro. A judge sentenced him to three months in prison and two years of probation. During one of the federal crime trials, prosecutors played a wiretap recording to the jury in which Richardson told aspiring manager Christian Dawkins that Miller was paying then Wildcats star center DeAndre Ayton 10000 per month while he was enrolled at the school. Dawkins and Richardson were discussing how to recruit Ayton as a client to Dawkins' fledging sports management company. While talking about Aiden, Richardson told Dawkins, Sean's got to get the expletive out of the way and let us work. We'll see how Sean plays it out, Dawkins said. You know what he bought per month, Richardson asked. What he do, Dawkins asked. I told you, 10, Richardson replied. He's putting up some real money for them, expletive, Dawkins responded. He told me he's getting killed. But that's his fault, Richardson said. During the same recording, Dawkins indicated then Wildcats guard Raul Alkins was also receiving improper benefits while playing at Arizona. You already know Sean is taking care of Raul and them, Dawkins said. In the HBO documentary, The Scheme, which was released earlier this year, Dawkins said Book was loyal to Sean. Arizona was definitely more open to getting some S done. When director Pete Underless asked Dawkins about his conversation with Richardson, in which they discussed Aiton, Dawkins said, I'm being told that Sean is the one financing the financing the DeAndre Aiton situation. Miller has denied paying Aiton, who was the number one pick in the 2018 NBA draft, or any other player to sign with Arizona. I never have and I never will, Miller said during the news conference in March 2018. When Adilas asked Dawkins about Miller's comments during the news conference, Dawkins said, when Sean Miller had his press conference, I literally thought of book and I said, and I was like, yes, I mean, Sean should have his own life movie agent or a manager like he should be an actor. That was a very high level. That was very high. That was a very high level. I was convinced, honestly. When Dawkins was asked by Condolis if Miller was telling the truth, he replied, when Sean Miller had his press conference and said, has a player from Arizona ever received money or did he know anything about a player from Arizona receiving money? 
Did he lie? Yeah, that wasn't true. So, these stories are vastly developing. And this is like a bad nightmare that won't go away. I mean, think about the schools. And who would have thought you would hear Creighton's name in such turmoil as this? So, hey, keep it here. Locked and loaded to A-Train Sports Talk Podcast because it's only going to get better. So what I'm going to do right here, I am going to pause and take a break and slide in a word from my sponsor and when I come back hey I hope you got your ticket and I hope you're on board because this train is still building up some steam we have some more to get to when I come back we'll look at the top recruiting classes so stay tuned it's the A Train Sports Talk Podcast your conductor Anthony Smith welcome Back to another segment of the A Train Sports Talk podcast. So, what have we next? Well, you know, we're getting close to basketball season. You know, anytime, as was the case with me this morning, I woke up on work. I was a good whole 50 minutes late. Travel was not the best, and I was not trying to break no speed records. Not going to happen. I always tell people when I'm at work, I don't work hard. I work smart. I don't get paid for working hard. I get paid for working smart. Well, it was snowy this morning, cold, visibility wasn't the best. I wasn't about to get on the highway this morning. Wasn't going to happen. Those of you who are familiar with Wichita, so I'm traveling down Rock Road. Turn to get ready to get on Kellogg, and I see traffic moving slow. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm just going to take Rock Road all the way down Harry and just going into work that way. I'll get there when I get there. I let my supervisors know, hey, I'm going to be late. So not only do I work smart, I drive smart. But the show is about to heat up. Because now we're going to look at what school has top recruiting classes. What school has the top recruiting classes? And I'm pretty sure you'd want to know that, wouldn't you? So we're going to take a look at that. And it just might surprise you to see who has the top recruiting class so let's just pull that up and have some fun with that right now so the 2021 men's college basketball recruiting class rankings and right now it looks like Oregon do you need me to say it again? Did that catch up? Oh, oh. Right. Those, right. We're not talking about the football team that has 500 different uniforms. We're talking about the basketball team. Coached by one at Creighton, that getaway, and I'm pretty sure Creighton, well, they have a pretty good coach, but 
when you look at the success that Dana Altman has been having with his Oregon Ducks year in, year out, and they're consistently having winning seasons, and he just seems content out there. I could think I can name a couple of schools that wish they still had him. Creighton, although Creighton hasn't fallen on fallen up on bad times. But Kansas State, I'm pretty sure they wish they had Dana Altman. Dana Altman played at Kansas State. He coached there briefly. He would bring instant credibility and in life into that program. Me personally, I still do not think Bruce Weber is the man for the job. He's just basically a buffer, have a few winning seasons, enough to save his job. But anyway, so much for that. Let's get off of that. All right, I'm rough with some Kansas State. All cat fans, this other's right about now. But while there hasn't been a college basketball game since March, the sport hasn't completely shut down. Recruiting didn't skip a beat despite coaches not being able to see prospects in person and being forced to conduct recruitments entirely via phone and video. The 2021 class is still relatively on pace with previous classes as 70 prospects in the ESPN 100 are already committed. So we have a strong idea of how the top recruiting classes in the country are going to stack up. That said, there is a long way to go before the dust settles in the 2021 class rankings. While only 30 ESPN Top 100 prospects are still available, 10 of them are ranked in the top 19. Oregon sits atop the rankings right now. But what are the three big storylines to watch moving forward? Where is Kentucky? It's very noticeable that the Wildcats are not in the rankings right now. They've been in the top two in all but one season under coach John Calipari. When when they were number three in 2019 and they had the top class last year, but only Nolan Hickman, number 61, is currently committed. The Wildcats will rise quickly in the coming weeks, though they're heavily in the mix for top 35 prospects, Jaden Hardy, Musa Diabate, Hunter Salas, Damian Collins, and Bryce Hopkins, along with potential reclassification candidates. So that's just a little sneak preview to let you know where some of these schools are right now. But right now, looking like the top class belongs to Oregon and Duke. So, let's move farther into another story here. What adding a fifth year of eligibility means for record holder in men's college basketball? Last week, the NCAA announced all athletes who participate in winter sports in 2021 will be granted an extra year of eligibility. The move was widely praised as the right thing to do, and many observers also noted that this fifth year will require coaches to adopt creative strategies in terms of roster management. One additional, if subsidiary, 
consequence is that longer playing careers will have the potential to rewrite the NCAA record books. Career marks in individual statistics like points, made three-pointers, assists, and steals could all be in jeopardy in the 2020s. Other records, however, appear relatively safe, even with players potentially logging over 190 career games. So, what will that fifth year actually do as far as records? We will keep our eye on that. A good close watch out on that. So, tonight is Monday Night Football. Bears against the Rams. What can we expect from the Rams? What can we expect from the Bears? Well, how do you define Aaron Donald? It's a Halloween. We're going to find that out next. How do you define Aaron Donald? When I say the name Aaron Donald, what are a couple words that come to mind? I think he's relentless. I'll just go with dominance. Scary. Obviously, you can go with two words, the best. A slightly shorter interior lineman from the defensive side works well because you just have natural leverage against your opponent. He makes a beeline towards that offensive guard and gives him that little head fake, and he does a masterful job at this. You slap the hands, flip your shoulders, turn your hips. That creates separation from you and the offensive lineman and it also throws him off balance. And after you get that separation, bad things usually happen. If there were one former player in the NFL that most reminds you of Aaron's game, who would it be and why? Aaron Donald reminds me in some ways of a guy like John Randall. Who comes to mind is really like John Randall. He didn't have the measurables either. Easiest John Randall 2.0. My rookie year, John Randall and Warren Sapp was two guys that, you know, I, I had the organization break down film for me to be able to study and watch them guys play, see if I can emulate that and, and you know, have success at this level. I talked to him this morning, and I told him that I was going to reference Aaron Donald to your likeness. Matter of fact, I'll call him. If he picks up, yeah. JR. What up, what up? Hey, uh, I got you on speakerphone, so no no cuss words. 
Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, I'm doing this interview for for ESPN, so they want you to be a part of the piece if you uh, if you're willing to. Yeah, when do they want to do this? Uh, when do you want to do this? We're rolling. <laughs> when you watch him play, can you see yourself in his play? Pass rushers have a tendency to stick together. I was playing the defensive tackle, but I ended up with 137 half sacks. And normally you don't see that in the interior lineman. But Aaron, when he's doing it, it's like poetry because your hands are just like similar to a bull in a china shop. But when you got a bull that can gracefully go through there without breaking anything, that's Aaron Donald. What do you think his legacy will be? The legacy of Aaron, that will be determined over the next five years. You're seeing an interior lineman that has the ability to be the centerpiece of a defense. You know, I ain't played my best football yet. I ain't hit my peak yet. So we getting there, we getting better, but definitely a lot more football left. In me. Wow. What a player, Aaron Donald. And his Rams will be trying to stop the Chicago Bears. And that game is in progress right now, even as we speak in the first quarter. So I will keep you updated as to what's going on with that game periodically throughout my podcast. So, yes. I will definitely let you know as of right now. Eight minutes and 39 seconds to go in the first quarter. And it is third and fourth. And the Rams have the ball on the Chicago 39-yard line. The score is still not up at zero. So no one has scored as of yet. Well, we still got some more to get to. And we have some comments. And Lord knows, sometimes this guy gets under my skin. I'm talking about Stephen A. Smith. But Stephen A. is pouring on when he says the Dallas Cowboys are a mess. And doesn't find anything funny about the pathetic Cowboys. Let's do this thing. And I don't find nothing funny about the pathetic Cowboys. I'm a Cowboys fan. But there is no leadership in that locker room. There is no respect in that locker room. I heard a guy say it earlier. McCarthy should last the season. Um, I think that, you know, you are, what you're looking at, I'm not challenging in any way his football knowledge. Mm-hmm. He's a coach. He's a Super Bowl champion. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is you can look at certain teams, man, and see players, they ain't feeling their coach. They don't want to play for him. That's all I'm saying. I'm not talking about his X's and O's, his knowledge about football. He does not resonate with these players. You can see they don't want to play for him. Then you got a guy like Ezekiel Elliott who is regressing before our very eyes. 
fumbling the ball, causing interceptions because balls are bouncing off his chest. He can't catch. He can't run, can't block. And then he talking about being a leader and then come out there in the nation's capital and stink up the joint the way that he did. And then I want to say this. When your backup quarterback is chewing out the offensive line, you know it's bad. Now, you got injuries now. But, I mean, Andy Dalton was all over them. And guess what? He was right because that brother couldn't take one step back before Montez Sweat and these boys were all over him, okay? And then the hit on Bostic. First of all, let me say this to Bostic. He's a veteran. You should be ashamed of yourself. Seriously. I'm not, ca- I'm not, I'm not trying to castigate him overall. I don't know him as a person. That was whatever. a terrible but hit. But that hit, that, you're a veteran in this league. You know better. I think he should be suspended really? for at least next week. I think he should be confiscated this game's check and next week's check. Yes, I'm talking about taking yeah, money two, out of a brother's pocket. I think pocket. two games suspension two games. at least. I'm just yeah. saying, you, he, need, he needs to pay for that. He had no business doing that. Even his, his coach, Ron Rivera, told him he'd do that. And therefore, not a single cowboy to confront Bostic as well. I mean, talk about that's first the of all, part that's first so of all, your awful defense. You got Trayvon Diggs talking smack to McLaurin and then let McLaurin blow right by him for a damn ball for a touchdown pass. OK, your defense stink. You can't get pressure on the quarterback. Can't cover in the secondary. You can't defend against the run. You give up 208 yards. And then on top of it all, you soft as tissue when it comes to Bostic hitting your quarterback like that. The Dallas Cowboys are a mess. I'm upset, Max, because I like to laugh at them. But there is nothing about them that is funny because they're so damn pathetic. Wow. The man that gets on my nerves sometimes, Stephen A. Smith, all I can say is he's right. How you not going to go to the aid of your quarterback i don't care if he is a backup he's wearing the same uniform y'all when you when you're when you put that uniform on you're supposed to be like family we we are a team let let me go back some years in time let me go back some years in time let me allow me to do this let me do this baseball team willie stargell led baseball team the pittsburgh pirates with those funny looking hats. Yeah, I ended up getting me one years later and my nickname ironed on it. I thought it was a kind of cool hat. It was the only one shaped like that. But their theme on their way to their World Series championship, you heard them, you heard the song blurring. We are family. And I know the word family is very is used very loosely, and the word family does not have the same, well, I take that back. I look forward to going to my own family reunions, okay? Because I feel the love. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm seeing someone right now, and when I'm around their family, you, you feel the love. So where am I going with all this feel the love and all this family talk? When you're in that uniform, and I can guarantee, I got to be careful what I say because I know there are people that listen to my podcast and they'd be like, I am appalled at the language that you use. I can't even say the word that starts with D and ends in N. Which I one casting judgment. But anyway, enough of that. If that getting hurt and that same hit is put on him, 
not only are the players getting ready to throw some fists, you probably gonna have some fans getting ready to come down out the stands and throw some, lay some hands. But your backup, Andy Dalton, you leave him laying there like he's just a piece of meat, roadkill. Dallas, what in the hell is going on with y'all? Zeke, who are you? Who who remembers when Ezekiel Elliott was holding out the training camp till he got his contract? And Jerry Jones said, Zeke who? And then they came out with a shirt after he signed his contract, kind of making a mockery of it, saying, Zeke who? Yeah, that was another money-making deal. Well, Ezekiel Elliott, you got your money. But right now, you're not earning a damn penny of it. How many fumbles have you had thus far this year? What, six, seven games? And you've had just as many fumbles as games played. Your best game was 91 yards against the New York Giants. That was fool's goal because I thought you was about to break out. You come back the next week against the Arizona Cardinals. You lay the ball on the turf two times. Dude, do you need to go back to the days of the 70s, back when the Raiders was playing? Do we need to get you some stickum to put on your gloves, put on your uniform, so you can hold on to the ball? What in the world is Jerry Jones paying you for? You come out talking this talk, you, you're going to be the leader of the team? Well, if if that's the example that this team have, this team don't have much of a leader. I was listening to a show this morning on my way to work, and they were talking about who could come in and play quarterback. Uh, Colin Kaepernick name came up, and it was basically referenced like this. Jerry Jones would probably rather forfeit than to sign Colin Kaepernick. But then here's the one that got me. If you are a quarterback, would you want to even come and play for Dallas? So what can be done to help Dallas? Well, first of all, you need to find some guys that's going to have some pride when they put their uniform on and not play like a bunch of crap on Sundays or Monday whatever, or whatever day they play. Matter of fact, I'm thinking Thanksgiving is around the corner. They usually have a Thanksgiving Day game. They should dress everybody in the cowboy uniform as turkeys. Because trust me, whoever they're playing, if they don't figure this out, they will get skinned alive and roasted like a bunch of turkeys. So if I'm Jerry Jones, I'm allowed to do mental evaluations on my next draft class. So now he's going to have to restock the offensive line. Because right now, the offensive line is trash. Andy Dalton was seen fussing at him, getting on to him because Andy didn't have time to even drop back. And you had no-name guys, just like the Washington football team is a no-name team, making that defense look like it was the number one rated defense. I'm pretty sure y'all did not expect all of this from me. 
Y'all want me to just read ESPN news feeds? No, sometimes you just have to get organic and be real with it. Yes, I am a Cowboys fan, but I also, hey, when when they're winning, I can talk about when they're winning, but when they're losing, I can talk about them and criticize them just like everybody else can. Am I still going to be a Cowboys fan? I'm pretty sure I will be. But this is what I'm seeing. The best analogy I heard about this team is this. It is not a team. It is 53 individuals. Well, let's move on to something else because right now, just like Dak got injured, well, there was another injury, a season-ending injury. OBJ out for the season. What could that possibly mean for the Browns moving forward? Well, let's find out. That for Cleveland's offense. It's a huge blow. When you talk about a dynamic playmaker, and I know everybody's going to come on here with numbers, Jay, and talk about how good Baker Mayfield is as opposed to having OBJ on the field and what his numbers are. But let me tell you this. Before this game, and we start, we, we were having a conversation about the old OBJ being back. They were getting him the ball on reverses. He closed out the Dallas Cowboy game. He was catching those slants and taking them to the crib, making plays down the field. So it's a huge blow when you use a, lose a playmaker. Um, Tampa just tried to add one, by the way, and Antonio didn't try. They added one in Antonio yeah. Brown. When you have guys that are game breakers, they make a difference. And yes, it may not show up with 130, 150-yard performance, two touchdowns every single week, every game, in and out. But when you get down the road, Jay, and when you start trying to win these games that Cleveland has not shown that they can win up until this point, talking about Pittsburgh and Baltimore, their performances in those, you need to have guys where you can say, let's get the ball in his hands and see if he can make some magic happen. They won't have that without OBJ. So, take away a weapon. And that's what you have. Now, Stephen A. has been very vocal saying that OBJ and Jarvis Landry, they need to part ways with Baker Mayfield. I don't know if I really agree with that assessment. So let's see what Cleveland has in store for their next game. If we can find their, well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to look at I've been dealing with digestive issues pretty much since college. I knew I couldn't go see. All right. Well, I hate it when we have technical difficulties. But we're going to pull up this schedule here. To be interesting to see just what the Browns have in store for them coming up. 
tell you what we will do. We will look at the standings right now. Then we'll pull up that schedule. Uh, in the AFC East, you have Buffalo coming in with a 5-2 record. You have the Miami Dolphins, who have made a quarterback change, and they got a week to prepare, coming in at 3-3. Three and three. Coming in third place in that division, it, it just this just seems I didn't seem it doesn't sound right, does it? New England Patriots at two and four, and then bring up the rear, the bottom feeders, the zero and seven, New York Jets. Now we move on to the AFC North, still undefeated after I would call it almost a classic game. Pittsburgh Steelers coming in at 6-0. Right behind them, nipping on their heels at 5-1. Baltimore Ravens coming in at 5-2. Cleveland Browns. And coming in at 1-5. The Cincinnati Bengals. Let me give you my disclaimer because you see two teams in the same division out of the state of Ohio. And I know there are more than four teams that play football in the state of Ohio, but my number, one through four ranked teams, and some of y'all are going to say, boy, that is asinine what you just did. Did you see how Ohio State just mauled Nebraska? Yes, that's one game. And I know the Pulse is a very liberal to them and giving them a number three ranking after one game, but this is my ranking. There are four teams that are, prominent in the state of Ohio people will most likely follow one is either the Cincinnati Bearcats, the Ohio State Buckeyes, Cleveland Browns, or the Cincinnati Bengals. So who are my top four? Coming in at number one and basically dismantled an SMU team on their home turf those Cincinnati Bearcats coming in at number two until further notice, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Of course, number three would be the Cleveland Browns. And bringing up the rear, the Cincinnati Bengals. Now let's get on with the rest of these division standings. In the AFC South, you have the Tennessee Titans coming in at 5-1. Followed by the Indianapolis Colts at four and two. Then you have the Houston Texans at one and six. Also at one and six, the Jacksonville Jaguars. In the AFC West, and with the very comfortable leads at the top, the AFC West, the Kansas City Chiefs at six and one, the Las Vegas Raiders at three and three, the Los Angeles Chargers coming in at two at four. Also followed by the Denver Broncos. You took it on the chin yesterday to those Kansas. And I do apologize for that glitch. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and finish these standings and then we will move on to other things. Uh, I left off with the Denver Broncos. Uh, sometimes we lose track of time in what we're doing in this business of podcast and our radio. And there is this thing called a hard out. Well, I hit that hard out, so I do apologize for that. But now we look 
ended with the AFC West and the Denver Broncos coming in with the two and four record who took it over the chin to the Kansas City Chiefs. So now we move on to a division that I wish we could just erase it right about now because it is pathetic. Uh, in the words of Charles Barkley, plain and simple, terrible, just terrible. In first place with the two and four and with the two four and one record, Philadelphia Eagles. Tied for second. Two and five records. The Washington football team. The Dallas Cowboys. Coming in at last place in that division with the one and six record. New York Giants. You know you play in a messed up division when you have a team in there that doesn't have no name and they're talking next year, the team still might not have a name. I don't know what's worse. Riding into town on a horse with no name or a football team with no name. I'll let y'all figure that out. Moving on to the NFC North. You have the for first place with the Chicago Bears who playing who are playing tonight against the Green Bay Packers. Both teams are tied at five and one. You have the Detroit Lions coming in at three and three. And you have the Minnesota Vikings coming in at one and five. Moving on to the NFC South Division. Coming in at, with a five and two record atop that division. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers led by Tom Brady with their latest acquisition. A B. Four and two, you have the New Orleans Saints. At three and four, you have the Carolina Panthers. And at one and six, you have the Atlanta Falcons, who it looks like they're trying to ship Matt Ryan out the door. Are there any takers? I wonder if the Cowboys would take them and treat them right. Dallas Cowboys need an offensive line work. Well, anyway, let me finish this. In the game that was seen last night between these teams that are top this division, we go to the NFC West. That game was a classic last night. Let me tell you how that game played out. I am doing my podcast last night, and the last thing I seen was the Seattle Seahawks went up by 10 points, 34-24. As I'm doing my podcast, now with like 2 minutes and 28 seconds left in the game, Arizona Cardinals have cut the lead to 34-31. After I do my podcast, I'm not thinking to turn my TV back on or look at the updates. But by the time I got up this morning and I'm listening to the radio on my way to work, find out the Cardinals end up winning the game. In other words, Seattle finally has tasted defeat which is why they sit atop their conference with a 5-1 and one record, right behind them with a the 5-2 record of the Arizona Cardinals, followed by the team that's playing tonight, the 4-2 and two Rams. They could be 5-2 and two after tonight, or they could be 4-3, and three. and then they would be joined with that same record by the team that's in last place in that division at 4-3, and three, the San Francisco 49ers. But you notice how every, this, this division right here, what I'm seeing is the only division, and I'm talking AFC and or NFC, that eight, that NFC 
West Division is the only division where all teams have a winning record. And you're telling me, let's say if the playoffs were to start, because the Philadelphia Eagles are atop their conference with a losing record of 2-4-1, that they will be granted a playoff berth? No. If I'm the commissioner, that's not even happening. For one, how is a team below 500 going to take a playoff spot away from I would love to see a Seattle Seahawks or an Arizona Cardinals or a Los Angeles Rams or the 49ers, for that matter of fact, over a team with a losing record. I think they need to tweak some things as far as playoffs and as far as records are concerned. I know it'd be kind of hard to tell Pete Carroll that because his team backdoored their, their way into a playoff game, won a playoff game before finally being humbled back down to earth. But that's just my commentary. That's just my take on what I feel. What I feel doesn't amount to a speck in the bucket because no one will hear my voice except fellow podcasters or whoever I share my link with. Tell you what, seriously, that's something that the NFL needs to look into. Do not, I'll say it again. And at the end of the season, if I'm going to just hypothetically say, if the Cowboys were to end up with an 8 and 8 record, I don't even think 8 and 8, or let alone a 9 and 7, well, any record that's losing or break even is not deserving of a playoff spot. Plain and simple, zero dot, period. Tired of me ranting already. Well, we do have some more reports. So let me go ahead and give those to you so you know what to do. Because some of you have fantasy teams and you might want to know this. Seattle Seahawks running back Chris Carson week to week with a foot sprain. Seattle Seahawks running back Chris Carson is considered week to week after an MRI confirmed a mid-foot sprain, Coach Pete Carroll said Monday. Carson suffered an injury in the first half of Sunday night's 37-34 overtime loss at the Arizona Cardinals and did not return to the game. There is something there that we could see, Carroll said of Carson's MRI. It's just week to week, so we'll see what happens. We don't know. He was real determined to say, I can go with it, but we won't know until the end of the week for sure. That's just the start of the injuries the Seahawks 5-1 are dealing with in a suddenly banged up backfield. Veteran Carlos Hyde and rookie fourth-round pick DJ Dallas were their, were their only available tailbacks by the end of Sunday night's game after Carson and Travis Homer went down hurt. But Carroll is unsure of Hyde's status for this week due to tightness in his hamstring. The coach said Homer has a knee bruise and not an injury, adding, so that's something he has a chance to recover from. The Seahawks have no other tailbacks on their active roster or practice squad. Rashad Penny, their 2018 first-round pick, is still on the physically unable-to-perform list as he works his way back from a knee injury. 
Carroll said Penny is getting close to practicing, but the coach didn't give the impression Penny would begin doing so this week. It's a potentially problematic situation for the Seahawks, given how COVID-19 protocols make it difficult for teams to adjust to injuries on the fly. Players must go through several days of testing before they're allowed to enter an NFL facility. That will make it impossible for the Seahawks to sign a free agent in time to reinforce their backfield for this week's home game against the San Francisco 49ers 4-3. Unless that running back had already stayed, started or completed his testing. Seahawks are hoping to have all pro strong safety Jamal Adams back this week. Carroll said it isn't clear whether he'll be ready to practice by Wednesday. Adams has missed the past three games with a growing injury. Seattle had his bye during that span. I talked to him on Sunday before we left, and his workouts are going great and all that, Carroll said of Adams. He really wants to get back, but he's going to have to show it that he's capable of doing all the stuff that we need him to do football-wise. Because he's so close to being back, I think this will carry into late in the week, and we'll see how it works out. But I can't tell you conclusively right now. Harold expects defensive end Rashawn Green, neck injury, to practice this week with the hope of playing next week. He has been on injury reserve, as has wide receiver Philip Dorsett. Carroll said Dorsett is running at 90% capacity, but isn't sure if Dorsett will practice this week. 2,875 yards Seattle's defense has allowed this season are the most through six games in NFL history, according to Elias Sports Bureau. So there you have the report on Seattle and their injuries. Hope you're enjoying this podcast right now. And I tell you what I am going to do. I am going to take me another break. No, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stay right here and entertain. Because that's what I do. Panthers running back Christian McCaffrey back to practice field, but status for Thursday's game versus Falcons is uncertain. Carolina Panthers running Carolina Panthers running back Christian McCaffrey returned to the practice field Monday for the first time in five weeks, but his status for Thursday night's game against the Atlanta Falcons remained in doubt. It's a possibility, Coach Matt Rule said when asked if. McCaffrey could be ready for the Falcons. That's sort of our that's sort of out of my hands. I'm hopeful that will happen. Rule said McCaffrey, who didn't did not participate in Monday light workout, would have to go through a full practice on Tuesday or Wednesday for the team to consider taking him off the injured reserve. He said that would be left up to team doctors. 
if you know Christian, he wants to play rules, said. McCaffrey suffered a high ankle sprain during week two, a week two loss at Tampa Bay and was placed on injury reserve a few days later with a prognosis of four to six weeks to recover. He was eligible to come off injury reserve list after missing three games, but now has missed five. The Panthers won three straight after losing the NFL highest paid back at $16 million a year would have dropped the past two to fall to three and four. Rule consistently has said he wouldn't rush back McCaffrey and has been cautionary about the eighth pick of the 2017 draft returning on his short week. He, remind, he remained cautionary Monday. McCaffrey wore a red jersey and did not participate in drills. He spent much of the media portion greeting teammates he hadn't been on the, the field with since the injury. It would be exciting to see Christian out there if he's ready to go, quarterback Teddy Bridgewater said. He's been working extremely hard. McCaffrey last season became the third NFL player in NFL history to have 1,000 yards rushing and receiving in the same season. He had 156 yards rushing and four touchdowns to go with seven catches for 57 yards this season before being sidelined in the fourth quarter against the Bucks. Mike Davis averaged 101.5 yards from scrimmage in the first four games without McCaffrey. He was limited to 12 yards rushing on seven carries and five catches for 24 yards in Sunday's 27-24 loss at New Orleans. The Panthers was held to a season-low 37 yards rushing by the Saints. There you have more news, more injury reports. And I hope you're enjoying me being the conductor of this train because I enjoy doing what I do. And that's entertaining you all. Bring you doing my best to bring you all the best in sports podcasting. So what I am actually going to do right here. Now I will take a break. And when I come back, I will come back and wrap this show up. You're listening to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. This is your conductor, Anthony Smith. And I'll be back after this word from my sponsor. Yes, we have with me live after my little break. The one and only. How can I describe this man? He was a rock and roll head. He worked at a station called T95 here yeah. in Wichita. Let me give it to you ex- exactly. K-I-C-T-95. This is Rick Thomas. <laughs> yeah, that's how it's done right there. It says K-I-C-T-95. <laughs> What's up, brother? How you doing? Then Run. he had his own show called Running the Table. I was going to say, I, I, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Then I encouraged him. Well, we kind of encourage each other to do podcasts. I just moved a little bit quicker than he did. He finally got it going. But from <laughs> running the table, he's going to get yes. that patent. From running the table, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, my brother, 
from another mother. Slick. Woo! Rick Thomas. Rick Thomas. <laughs> How you doing, man? It's great to be on the uh, the A Train podcast, man. It's awesome. How you been? Everything good? Hey, hey, man. It's good. I just been pulling up feeds and just you know just doing a report and because you know I finally guess what, man? I finally stepped up my game. I finally got me a laptop. So you probably hear the difference in the sound quality, okay? But sure, right sure, now sure. I'm doing. I'm doing. We're doing this on my phone because I haven't figured out how to do it on my laptop. I haven't got that far advanced. But I'm learning the other <laughs> ins and outs on my. So you know, once I learn that, we'll be able to do, go laptop to laptop, whatever you use it. You're probably using one of those five hundred dollar phones. I've got a studio at home with the yeah here at the, at the apartment with a laptop and all that, so we can hook it up. Hey. We'll get a right now. I do have to say this one thing. And I want to make sure, hey, and I know you send your uh, links out to people so they can hear. So I want you to make sure you send the link out because I want Scott Styles to hear this, okay? I'm <laughs> yeah. jealous because I've been trying to get him to come on mine, but he hasn't come on mine. But I heard the interview he did with you. So I'm, I'm kind of salty about that. So make sure we, we you get a link uh, Scotty, Scotty's great people. I had him on uh, a couple of times, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, you just got to catch him at the right time. He's always got a lot going on. I bet you if I had a ball of Captain Morgan for him, I bet you I'd get him on. <laughs> I, mean, I don't doubt that at all. I'm sitting here right now watching Monday Night Football. I got to tell you, this Bears defense, I mean, you know, I get it. They're down 7-3 to three right now. But that Khalil Mack dude, I'm just telling you, he's flat out scary. When that dude I'm decides, you, I'm telling I'm you, glad, when he decides yeah. you don't run up the middle, you're not. Period. <laughs> you know. And I'm so glad you brought him up because I did a segment on uh, – uh, Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald's guess, on the other side. Yeah. And he's on the opposite side. So yeah. you have two guys that are going to most likely end up in the Hall of Fame. But Very the good name chance, that comes to mind the name that comes to mind when you say Aaron Donald, guess who the comparison he's been he's been compared to? Well, maybe Ray Lewis. I don't know. I mean, nope. I, you know, you nope. if Ray Lewis comes to mind. I don't know. And that's those nope. are some big teams when you talk about Ray Lewis. I'm, you know, nobody's there's I'm, not I'm a, I'm gonna I'm I'm give it to you straight. John Randall. Yeah, no, I could see that too. Sure, sure. Because because they they were both not, you know, for for their size and the position that they were playing. And I think what John Randall had like 137 and a half sacks. But yeah, it's like that. Yeah. It's like that. It's like a certain move that they do with their hands that helps them get that separation. And the segment I did, and you could hear Bruce Smith talking about. He said, and when he gets that separation, usually bad things happen. Yeah, and, yeah without a doubt. And you know, this 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 game here could end up being the game where, when it's all said and done, it is not going to be a high scoring affair. It could come down who's the defensive most valuable player. Is it going to be Khalil Mack? Or is it going to be Aaron Donald? It, well, it could very gotta, come down to that. It's interesting too because you've got a young quarterback in Goff. I mean, he's been in the league a couple. He's back there checking it. He's got dude's got a rocket for an arm. He's, his accuracy's improved quite a bit. He's, I mean, that dude's coming along. And then you've got Nick Foles, who I, I always said Philly did. A, they made a huge mistake letting Nick Foles get, slip through their grasp because that dude had it going on in Philly. He's a good quarterback, but in Philly, he's a great quarterback. He, that system he just worked so well with. They would have won another Super Bowl if they'd have hung on to him. I kid you not. And he's right. And you know, and here's he, the thing with, right. And here's the thing with Philadelphia. They had no choice but to let him go because they couldn't afford to pay him because 
they done drafted this guy named yeah. uh what's the Carson what's that Wentz. guy's yeah. name? Carson yeah, that's Wentz. Name. Carson Wentz. Yeah. And so yeah. you pretty you pretty much have to play him. But Quadis is kept. They still want to erect a, a statue up of Nick Foles outside. So <laughs> yeah. for, that that locker room is still not together. As a matter of fact, their locker room reminds me of the NFC least. And, and, well, look at look, this, and, this division and, this year. The NFC East is just god awful. Now, I don't think they've ever been this bad seven weeks in. As a matter of fact, I know they haven't. They've never been this this. They had this many losses division wide seven weeks in, and this is history. Um, it's still hey, anybody's division. You mm-hmm. know what? Dallas might be looking at the Cowboys. Might be looking at to trade for and pick up because they think they've still got a shot, and they do technically. They got a shot at running and getting into that division race. I mean, they're they're not out of it. They had two and five. They're not. Do you know who they're looking at? Uh yeah, Matt Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm not. Yeah, kidding. I heard that name too. I heard that I'm name too. They could. They might be able to get him for a prayer and a and a, and a late round draft pick to get him to come out of Miami and come into Dallas. But you, you know what? Though it, it would be bizarre. But you know what? Have they got to lose? What they, what's the worst that could but, happen? But, but, but I'm, let me ask. You, let me ask you this question for real, because I heard this morning on my way to work, and I was listening to another radio station. I wasn't listening to. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't listening to that. I was listening to ESPN radio this morning because I find it very entertaining. Now, yeah. The question. The question was asked: If you are a quarterback, though, do you want to play for Dallas? Because think about it: that the line is trash. The the line can't the line can't stop running water, let alone hold a piece of cardboard. <laughs> no doubt. Then, no doubt. Then, then your quarterback is getting in dripping into your lineman, rightfully so, because he don't even have enough time to step back and sneeze. And then to make matters worse, your quarterback gets laid out on the turf. And and well, like Stephen no, A. Was a and like, that was a and like Stephen A. Smith said, right. And like right, Stephen A. Smith said, yeah, Bostic, he needs to be suspended at least two games, whatever the case is, find a couple of game checks. But the sad thing is, where were the Cowboy players when this hit took place? Okay, okay, but let's rewind you. Let's rewind for a second, getting back to that hit. And this really bothers me because if I've seen the footage that I would say this, I don't care if it's Cowboys got it, if, if, this, if this happened to a New York Jets quarterback, Kansas City quarterback, any quarterback in the league. You see this happen. You look at that footage. This was so intentional. This guy should be suspended for at least a half a dozen games. And I say that because he could have ended that man's career doing that. This was no joke. This was no, I mean, I I don't know if those two have a personal beef. It certainly kind of looked like that because I don't know why you would do that. I really, unless you're just that, that mean, if you're just a mean spirited person, you you know, but I, I just, that, that, I mean, that was beyond just, just a bad hit. That was, he went head hunting. And he could have almost, you know, he could have put that man in a coma doing that. But you know, but that's, the, that's but the, right. Go ahead. Right, but the big mystery though is were the cowboy players? Because I can guarantee this right here. I'm gonna say this. I can guarantee this right here. If that hit would have been done on Dak Press, oh, they would have went nuts. They would have went berserk. They would have went berserk had that happened to Dak. You know, they, you those would, guys. You would have seen. You would. You would have seen Pepsi bottles. Uh, uh, it was it, it was like a WCW ring back in the days when the NWO took over. <laughs> well, there were no, there weren't that many fans in the, in the, in the you know, but but I mean, as far as you know, but play the players, the guys on the field would have went bananas if that would have happened to Dak. And I, you know, you got to understand they played with Dak for years. 
that I mean, he's their brother, you know, he's family. Now, nothing against Andy, you know, a great guy. I mean, he seems like an okay guy. I don't know him personally, but they they haven't they don't know him like they know Dak. Now that doesn't mean they shouldn't have reacted, but but right, there is a right. difference. There, there should there should have there should have been some type of reaction, regardless. I would I think mean, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Think, think they, about it. Think about it. Let's let's run, let's run back a year. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers yeah. playing against the Cleveland Browns. They're playing with the backup quarterback. You saw a reaction. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Most you, most teams. There's going to be a reaction because at the end of the day, when you put on that uniform, <laughs> and especially being America's team, it's a golden you rule. Are now, you are now you a brotherhood, and you watch yeah, my you, back, I'll watch your yeah. back. Let's let's run it. Let's run it back. Here's here's how here's the mentality that they should have. Let's go back to the days of Willie Stargell and the Pittsburgh Pirates. What was their thing? Oh, now you're going, now, come on, you're going thirty years ago. I mean, well, come on, what, but what, right. what was their what was their theme song that they was playing by Sister Sledge? We are fa- we are family, Sister Sledge. We are, yeah. Well, the family concept has been lost in professional sports, and Dallas know. Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys were the epitome of it because it was said like it, this. You know what? I don't know that I don't know that I agree with that. I think this was a bizarre thing because I think most teams in the league today, no matter who their quarterback is, they would have reacted. I don't know why they did. I think it's just a matter of they just did. I don't know. Maybe there's some stuff in the locker room we don't know about. Maybe Andy's not an easy guy to get along with. Who knows? I don't know. But they, well, most well, I'm here, they're, they're not. They're not even respecting the coach. If they're not respecting yeah. the coach, they're, well, they're and, you know, maybe it's the time. Maybe it's time you shake that tree in Dallas and you start replacing people. You know, I mean, if it gets to that point, maybe that's what needs to be done. Maybe you start going. Okay, we're going to keep our key players. Keep Zeke around. We're going to keep Dak, and we're going to start building from the ground up now. If if that's where they're at. That's, I mean, it could be, it could, you know, if that's what it comes to, I, who knows? You know, here's a thought too. If, the, if this team doesn't win another game, which could happen, that could happen. They could have their only two wins. I mean, that's supposed to be realistic. If that happens, do they make a play? And I, because I love that, love him to death, but we don't know how well he's going to come back. Do they make a play to grab that number one pick and get that kid coming out of Clemson? That's somebody that you, you never know. It's a thought. You know what? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it like this. Now's a good time if we could revisit the draft. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think now I would have rather have taken Jalen Hurts over C.D. Lamb. Just for this I very re- just, just for this just for this just for this reason right here. Because I mean, yeah, with C.D. Lamb, you give us another weapon, but at the same token. Did you see the look on Jalen Hurts' face when he got drafted by the Eagles? For one, he knew, okay, they got a quarterback. I, I, yeah, Number but, you two, know, I, yeah, I'm not yeah, going to get my fair shot at quarterback in Philadelphia. Now put him well, in he wouldn't Dallas. get it in Dallas either if Dak were healthy. You know that. And, 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 and you know what, C.D. Lane, hey, that hey, kid is a about it. Right, but stop and think about it. His skill set fits that Dallas scheme. But he's, you know what? But versus a Dal- versus a, versus a Andy Dalton, because Andy Dalton, yes, he he probably would be more of a. They're probably looking looking at him being more of like a of a team leader, you know, so to speak. But 
I, I, I think they picked him up for it because of his, his experience. The guy has been in the playoffs. He's been right. around the league for a while. He's, you know, he, it's, it's, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that he hasn't performed at a level that they expected. He, you know, and, and, you know, nobody expected him to come in and just start winning games one after the other, reeling them off. But he just hasn't put any offensive numbers up. I mean, it just hasn't happened. Well, and I don't know. And I don't know that that's all him. I don't know. But let's, let's be honest. Not, it, it's he's not, he's not moving offense. Uh, and I'm going to tell you why he's not moving offense, because it's those guys in front of him. All right, remember, Andy Frederick retired. He was their starting center, okay? Are you talking about Travis Frederick? Or- oh, Travis, Travis Frederick, right. He's retired, yeah. okay? Yeah. So you have to take that into consideration. Uh, Leo yeah. Collins, he's he's on the injured list. Uh, Tyron Smith, or whatever his name is, I mean, the, the line is basically damaged good, and they're pretty much just all green. So, well, you know what? I'm, I mean, I'm going to answer your question. Now, I'm going to answer your question that you asked earlier. What quarterback would want to come in? I would say my, my response to that is what quarterback who's sitting on the bench in the NFL right now wouldn't want to come into this mess? Because, yes, it's a mess. But you know what? You can, you can go from being a backup quarterback in Miami, Fitzpatrick, for example, to being a starting quarterback for a team that's still in the hunt for the division with, with only two wins. But you're still in it. And and think about think about the ticket you could write yourself for. You know, Fitzpatrick maybe isn't the greatest example because he's thirty seven years old. But if you're like in your early thirties, think about the ticket you could write yourself if you turned around and, and led that offense into a postseason coming out of a two and five situation. Or t- I mean, that would be unheard of. That would be unbelievable. If so, you, think about what you could do. Well, Man, you would have people lined up to sign you after that. You would. Well, I, I tell you this though. Maybe you can get a Ryan Fitzpatrick to come in, but if you ain't got nobody to block for him, he's going to be another Andy, Dal- Andy Dalton waiting to happen. It's so, possible. You know, just, with, so, so, with, so with that being said, you know the very same, the very thing that I used to bellyache about. I'm like, why is Jerry drafting all these linemen year in and year out? No, no I love it. Getting, I love it when, when he could be when he could be getting skill when he could be getting skill position no. players. Now I, I understand why I understand why he did that, and now that that line that he has is washed up and damaged goods, I'm ready for him to go back to the drawing board and start drafting linemen draft again. More like and you know what? When he was making those picks, that was about four or five years ago when he built that offensive line, maybe a little longer. I was the guy that sat there. Everybody everybody groaned. You're like, oh, man, why couldn't he get it? I was the guy that said, look, it's not sexy. It's not pretty. But you know what? Jimmy Johnson said this 30 years ago. He said this, this game begins and ends on the offensive line. That's what this game is. It begins and ends right there on that line. And, and so Jerry Jones knew what he was doing when he did that. He put together the best offensive line in the league for a while. And you're right. He's going to have to go back and do that. Ryan Fitzpatrick is one of those guys. And I keep pushing this, but I'm telling you, he's a guy that – look at his history, his track record. He's played for, what, 15 teams? But every, he's one of those guys that pops in and, and sparks offenses. That's what he does. He, it doesn't last longer than maybe seven or eight games, but that's all you need. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all you need from him. You know, he's not a guy that's going to come in there. All the defenses figure him out within seven or eight games and they shut it down. But those first six or seven, right. look at his track record. He lights it up. I, I don't well, think it would be a bad move. I, 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 will say, I will say this. Even if they get him, you have to realize he comes with three names. His given <laughs> name, which is Fitzpatrick. His yeah. nicknames, one is Fitzmagic. But then you also <laughs> yeah. have to deal with the other one, which is called Fitztragic. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, what have we got? To and like, and, we and like, and you've got right. Danucci out there. Nothing against and this like, Danucci kid, but he, you know what was he doing a month ago? <laughs> you know, seriously, you know. Well, I mean, put it the way, 
I heard them. I heard them raving about Danucci during the off season, but you know, it was the off season. Now we're well, I mean, see nothing against can... the kid. I, nothing against him, but he has no experience. This kid, I mean, you're throwing him right into the fire. I mean, right out of the frying pan, into the fire. It, it's scary. It's scary stuff. I mean, I, we'll see. You never know. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's of the spark they need to. You never know. Who knows? This weekend, if they if they can manage to beat Philadelphia, which I don't see happening, but you never know. Then you know, maybe maybe he's our guy. But I, I I just think the longer they stay hanging around where they're within striking distance of that division title, even if they could win that title with a seven and nine record or a six and ten, Fitz Fitz might well, be see, your guy. See, I, I'm 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 gonna have to stop you right there because I now I'm I'm getting ready to sound like Stephen A. Smith now. Now I'm I'm looking at these divisions here. Now realize with all the divisions, AFC and NFC, there's only one division where the teams all have winning records, and one of them is playing tonight. We're talking about the yeah. NFC West. That's a tough now, here, division. Now here's now here, now here's my theory right here, and I know they're look they're expanding the playoffs, right? Yeah. But if at the end of the day. The NFC least, and no team in that division have a winning record. I think they should just erase that division and reward a team that has a winning record. Because if you are a loser, you don't deserve a playoff spot. I agree with I you. Care, I've said this. For I don't years. care. I've said I don't care years. if it's the Dallas. I don't care if it's the Dallas I, Cowboys. I agree. If, I they agree. Get, if they get lucky and get a seven and nine record. You're a loser. They should you get didn't in. Earn they nothing. should get in. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I've said this uh, for years. I've said that the NFL should go to that to where you reward wins, and it doesn't matter what the divisions are. You should break it down by wins. And so, so what if three teams out of one division get in? If they earned it, they earned it. If they got the record to prove it, then they should get in. But you should. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You should not be able to slide in the back door of the playoffs just because you won a really, really crappy division. I, I I'm totally with you. So. I, I hope someone takes that into consideration. I, I hope you know what I hope someone actually listens to this podcast. Well, they're not, I mean, they're, they're not going to. I mean, the rules are the rules. They aren't going to change those this year. I, I, I hope someone <laughs> actually listen. I hope someone actually listen to this podcast and send it to whoever can hear our voice. Because <laughs> I'm serious. I'm dead set. We we do not want to see Seattle 2.0. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it's – it's not it, – it's, 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 you know, MLB has the same issue. Sometimes. You, you know, in, the, in Major League Baseball, they kind of tried to rectify that by, by restructuring their wild card playoffs to, to allow some of these teams that they, they felt like earned got in that, that weren't getting in because of their division starting to get in because of their winning – with their records. And, that's, and I think the NFL should consider putting more emphasis on the record on the one win loss because at the end of the day that's what counts you shouldn't get in because you were luck of the draw or in a division where you only had to win six or seven games that's ridiculous mm-hmm. exactly that's just, you know, i mean come on doesn't, doesn't and, and make I, any it, sense. it doesn't and i know people can make that argument I, and this is the argument you always hear they say well yeah but if they're that bad they'll just lose in the first round so what you know well but that's but the point is you're taking a team that's got a winning record and you're forcing them to have to beat some team that has a losing record that shouldn't be there to begin with that's my issue. Exactly. Exactly. That's same. We. That's the one thing we can agree on. Because one thing I don't agree on you with, Rick. Yeah. You're the only one I'm hearing to this day saying that a particular team is overrated. And you know I mean, what? I would, I would, hey, hey, right about now, 
Right about now, I would love for my running back to get 75 yards in a game. Tennessee is overrated. Derrick Henry is their offense. That's it. That's it. You you shut him down, and, and you're done. They're done. They've got all of their eggs in one basket. I mean, come okay. on, Tannehill. Tannehill, are you kidding me? I mean, he's not he's not horrid, but he's not good either. He's a mid-level I tell you guy. What, I tell you what, he's burning, he's burning Andy Dalton looking right now. <laughs> well, yeah. That's, you know, Andy, you know, I mean, again, I thought, Andy Dalton, that is surprising to me because I was always under the impression that one of the reasons Andy Dalton hasn't done well in the last three or four years because he's been in Cincinnati. He's been stuck in behind that juggernaut. But here's the thing. He, he is one of the last guys to bring Cincinnati into the postseason. I don't. I believe he True. is the last back to do it. Yeah, I'm pretty. Yeah, sure, you know. So it's it's kind of shocking to me that he performed this poorly over the last couple of games. Now, now I don't. I think. He, I think what he, is, I think what it is with Andy Dalton is he hasn't gotten over the fact that he was benched on his birthday. Yeah, and he's having to he's having to carry over into this season, and it, it, <laughs> it, it that messed up his psyche. But we're talking about Tennessee because let's stop and think about it. Okay, all right, so. They they're five and one after losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers yesterday. Albeit they only lost by three points. Get, you gotta get that. They only lost by three points. So th- the game basically went down to the wire. And well, they Derrick should have been the rear end handed to him in the first half, and you and, know that. They and, were. And, and Derrick Henry still ended up with seventy five yards. I mean, think about it. The Pittsburgh well, Steelers hold Derrick the Pittsburgh Steelers defense hold Derrick Henry to seventy five yards. A lot of teams aren't going to do that. So if you hold Derrick Henry to seventy-five yards and you still only win that game by three points, now okay. But look at the first. I'm half. Not, look at the first. Half. I'm not. I'm look. not hearing anybody putting Tennessee on a pedestal. But like you said, oh, they are Derrick Tennessee Henry, fans. Derrick Henry is their offense, and well, basically, think about it. Think about it. That's the same Smash Mouth style that Bill Snyder would play, and he said, "We're going to keep doing this until you stop us." I'm pretty sure they're going to keep doing that until somebody stops them. Well, Pittsburgh s- slowed him down. I don't think you ever stop a Derrick Henry. I don't think you ever stop a Derrick Henry. You can slow him down. Pittsburgh's legitimate. Pittsburgh's a legitimate football team. They've got a they've got a, a just a just a fired up smash mouth in your face defense. They're very physical. Uh, Roethlisberger still. I mean, he might be 37, or whatever, but he's still Ben Roethlisberger. He's still. I mean, he's got that experience and he's accurate. He's got a Rocket for an arm, and he's got a good core of receivers around him. He, that team's a formidable team. They're gonna—I mean—they're gonna make a deep run. Oh, you yeah. know, Kansas City wants to worry about—you know—these. They want to worry about Baltimore. They want to worry about Tennessee. If you're in Kansas City, worry about Pittsburgh Steelers right now. If you're Kansas City, exactly. I mean, think about it. Ben Roethlisberger, when he he thought about retiring. I don't know if you know that or not. He contemplated that, retiring before this year started, and he came out and said when he saw this team that they're putting together in Pittsburgh, he said he knew they had something. And he was going to stick around because he knew that there was something. This is worthwhile. This is, you know, he wants to be a part of this because he thinks they're going to make a deep run. Well, they're unbeaten right now. He knew something. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And see, I've never been a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan, but I became. Hey, but I become a Mike Tomlin fan. Oh, Tomlin's one of the most respected, best coaches in the league. Talk about a guy that's going to get in the Hall of Fame. And and the thing, and here's the crazy thing with the type of season that they were having last year without being Roethlisberger, you know yeah. there was some specula- there was some speculation. Well, would Tomlin even be back? Would they let Tomlin go? Well, no, you have to look. No, at, you, have to look go, no. you have to look at the Pittsburgh Steelers track record. How long? How when have you known them to just fire a coach? A coach usually resigns. Chuck Knox, yeah, he resigned. 
Bill Cowher, he resigned. This job is Tomlin's to lose because Pittsburgh just do not fire their coaches, which means there's confidence, there's there's stability at that head coaching position. And if you have stability, then you can build. I mean, look at well, there's Ben Roethlisberger. There's two things at play. Mike Tomlin, okay, there's two things at play. Number one, he, okay, the, yes, they have their off seasons. It happens. Every team does. But he consistently keeps that team in competitive situations, and he consistently gets them into the postseason. Not every year, but he does it more often than not. You could count on him being around with the smoke players. And number two, his players love that guy. They love and respect, and they will go out and fight for every godforsaken inch they can for that guy. That's what's kept him there this long. Those two yeah, that, exactly. That's the thing right there. Love, love and read that R word. As, as it was said like this, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out yeah. what it means to me. Who sang that song? Aretha Franklin. Yeah, the queen of soul, so, baby. <laughs> hey, so, you know, that word respect, that's what the Cowboys need. They need to put a little respect on it. Respect your authority. But see, I'm going to say it like this. Jerry Jones has created that type of chaotic atmosphere. Because I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure the players they can bypass coach. I'm gonna go talk to Jerry. No, yeah, you and go I, talk and to your healthy. coach. It's not, it's not healthy, and and I and I say that out of respect for Jerry Jones. He's he had done he has done some great things in Dallas, but let's face it, it's been a minute since he's really rocked the boat there as far as the playoffs go and done anything. And and you know it's not healthy that these players do know that Jerry's the final word. The coach really doesn't have the final say. That's part of the reason these coaches are not getting the reaction out of these guys. Now, let's switch gears here and talk real quick. I'm in Manhattan, of course. We had a big win over the weekend over KKU, headed to steamrolling into West Virginia. They're going to be on the road. That's what's going on in Manhattan. Wichita, what I'm curious about in, in going on, Wichita, you tell me, what's the feeling towards everything with Greg Marshall right now? Is Do we have what's, – what's the overall feel that you get in that city right now? Are, Man, right, getting, right now. Right now, the yeah. feeling I'm getting is it's very quiet and very hushed. Now they yeah. like like last week, uh, there was a couple of players that spoke up on his behalf. Uh, there was a PJ Kuznard and uh, I forgot who the players were, but they spoke up on his behalf. But right now, everything is real hushed, and you know there's always a saying that goes along with that. You know this could be the calm before the storm, but. I don't think that everything that's going on, I don't think they would let this man go out and recruit these players that he's recruited and let this thing linger in without saying, okay, coach, this is your season, but we're going to keep our eye on you. I mean, they did the same, they did the same thing with Jody Adams because some allegations came up against Jody Adams. Yeah. And you have, to remember, you have to remember Jody Adams, where she came from. She came from under the pedigree of Pat Summit. Tennessee. Yeah. Well, sure. Pat Summit didn't take no mess. Pat Summit would drive you like a government mule. Pat Summit got the best out of you. And that's what Jody Adams was doing. I mean, think about it. The last time they won any conference championship, who was the coach? Jody Adams. I think they won like yeah. three Zero Valley Conference tournaments. Matter of fact, I had a chance to run to Mike Kennedy the other day. I'm going to get him on my show. But he was like, yeah, you remember that, don't you? So, you want to be very careful with this situation because the only one that's really saying anything is Shaquille Morris. 
but there's there's been other players that have come out and said some things that weren't too pretty. And but well, here's but here here's my question to you would be, and this is one of those things too, because there's two there's you know is this a situation where he's just an old school guy that does things the old school way, and that's you know that's how we did it back in the day. You know, coaches yelled at us, and coaches, or has he crossed the line too many times? I'm gonna say it like this. I'm gonna answer that question like this. You have to keep in mind, Greg Marshall is getting older. Each crop sure. of recruit, each each recruiting class he gets is getting younger. There's a gap that needs to be bridged. So how do you bridge that gap? You have to get some good assistants in there, and you have to keep this in mind. Steve Forbes is one of his top assistants, and I forget who the other one were, but he trusted those assistants with the day to day handling of the team. He had guys he can trust. So when he was losing players, he was also losing coaches. Yeah. And that has, yeah. to be, that has to be aggravating as a head coach. You you get that you may have player turnover, but when you have coaching turnover, now you got to think about now I got not only do I have to replace my players, I got to replace my coaches. These guys I trusted. I don't know if I can trust these guys like this. Well, he does have a Tyson. That's who the other guy was. Tyson Waterman spoke up on his behalf, too. He said, hey, basically what they're saying is, and even if you go back to some of the old school players that played, coach, that played under Coach Marshall, they would tell you this. Coach Marshall's style of coaching is not for everybody. Garrett yeah. Stutz said like this. Garrett Stutz said, I don't care what your credentials are when you come in, prepare yourself to get broke or go home. Because this is not for the faint at heart. But all he's doing is trying to get the best out of you. There, you so. know, and I get that. I get that. But and and I also understand these are only allegations, and we don't know. We they're unproven. Maybe these happened. Maybe they did. We don't know. I wasn't there, obviously. But if if some of this stuff is completely truthful, I can't make excuses for this. I mean, you're talking about a guy that you know, he punched a guy for crying out loud. He put his hands on him. Allegedly. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, well, allegedly, I get that. But allegedly, if, if, that, right. if that happened. I, you know, I mean, not only that, some of the things that he said, it, it's it, it goes a little beyond just just being being a hard ass. You know, it, when you start getting into things that are personal with people, and you get things that are borderline, there's some borderline racist things in there. I mean, there really are. If these things were truly said, it's hard for me to get past that. That's the problem, though. I don't know. We don't know for sure. You know, how do we really, yeah. really know? We well, don't. We know. don't know because. For one, we don't have no audio of him saying that. No. I mean, think about it. Think about it. Uh, the former owner of the L.A. Clippers. They found audio on what he said. Sure. Uh, Hulk Hogan was found to have said some things. They yeah. had audio on it. We ain't got sure. no audio on Greg Marshall. We don't have yeah. no video of him punching. And I'm pretty sure they take practices at some point. Why come we haven't seen video evidence of him punching Shaquille Morris like we saw him when he was like a bull in a china shop when he had that exhibition in Canada when he went after that referee and his players had to hold him back? We saw that. Well, yeah. None of this other stuff? None of this other stuff? We haven't seen it and we haven't heard it. And then we got one who's an assistant coach that was under him in Minnesota, and the only thing he could say is no comment. Yeah, it's just it's not a good situation all the way around. And I hope I you know I, I guess my best hope is that the truth comes out 
And and if he did do these things, shame on him, and he shouldn't be there. If he didn't, let's move forward and be done with it. That's right, because the, the season is around the corner, so you, you have to know that on my podcast coming up, I'm going to be getting into some basketball. I'm going to sure. be – I'm going to be hitting all angles of basketball, not just the PWI, which is the predominantly white school, but I'm also going to be doing reports on HBCUs, which is the historically black colleges and universities, because we're definitely going to be keeping our eye on Howard University. So that's just a little teaser yeah, right there. That, as a matter of fact, this podcast is going to kind of be teasing at that today. So your interview is going to be on there as well. And then awesome. I'm going to I appreciate that very much. I'm going to have to come on yours. And yeah, matter of fact, anytime. I'm, I'm, next time I'm going to be I'm going to be doing one up soon, and I will have you on for sure. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for my man Rick Thomas. I should have told y'all that this was going to be a thirty something plus minute session, but that's what we do. <laughs> I, we entertain. I can do this all day do... with you. You know that. Just let me know. I appreciate it. All right, thank you, Rick Thomas, for joining the A Train Sports Talk podcast, y'all. This will wrap my show up. Thanks for joining in. The train is built up ahead of steam, and we're going down the track, and we're leaving you in our cloud of smoke. So we'll see you next (laughs) time. Thank, Thank you for having me. All right. I want to thank my guest Rick Thomas for joining me on the A Train Sports Talk podcast. We get a little bit long winded at times, but it's been a blast. What a way to close out. And can't wait to do this again tomorrow. So I hear the music playing in the background. So that means it must be time for me to get out of here. So until the next time, have a blessed evening. This is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Keep your tickets because they are reusable. We will take you on a journey next time. Until the next time, see you later. A Train Sports Talk Podcast, your conductor Anthony Smith saying signing off.